So let's talk college basketball now, kind of for the rest of the show. So, um, big season this year, of course. I think I think this year we feel a little less certain about the teams because I think we had a lot of big stars leave college basketball last year. So I think it's a lot. It feels a little more, I think, wide open than I think maybe in other years in terms of like no, it's absolutely the, the top open. teams. I don't think we're all one hundred percent sure. Definitely, Final Four teams, <laughs> except for one. So according, according to social media, and after what we saw in game one, that team would be Duke, which leads me right into our perfect segue. The season started uh, basically with a uh, marquee matchup between Duke and Kentucky, in which Duke got to reveal their uh, big three this season, and they did it in spectacular fashion. They just trounced Kentucky 118-84. to 84. You don't see teams score 118 in college basketball. I'm sorry. That doesn't that <laughs> even like in like those like one sixteen matches in the tournament they don't score one hundred eighteen points so that's insane they ran it up I you know oh I, yeah I didn't catch the end of the game it was very late obviously but like just conceptually they they had to run it up yeah you had to that's the only way and, and I'm Coach sure K he, he, he was loved trying to, to do, lay love to do that at Cal Perry yeah, he was trying to lay it on. um so they 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 pounded Kentucky uh and to be honest that one eighteen eighty four score it didn't even feel that close. It was it was just it was done from the minute that the tip off happened. RJ Barrett at thirty three, Zion Williamson at twenty eight, Cam Reddish at twenty two. Those three guys, Kendall, number one, number two, number three, in the recruiting class for the twenty eighteen college basketball season. A lot of people obviously are now very excited about this team. There are already people saying that they're going to go undefeated. Kendall, does this win to you now mean that Duke is a favorite moving forward this season to win it all? Uh, just this game. The favorite? Do we mean like? Do I think they're going to win a national championship? I'm saying based on or after watching they be that considered game, considered the best team in the country. Based on that game, should they be considered the favorite to win it all come March? Based on what you saw in that game, they looked impressive in that game. Um, but something I told you before we got on EJ is, I think that game said more about Kentucky than I think it said about Duke. Um, Duke, I mean, R.J. Barrett, very talented, obviously. Zion Williamson is a freak of nature that I've never seen. Um, I don't think most people have ever seen a athlete like Zion Williamson in any sport, <laughs> um, let alone basketball. Uh, and Cam Reddish is also talented uh, in his own right and probably is very unheralded for what he uh for what his, his skill level suggests. But Duke is also, those are all three of those guys, all freshmen. Um, also can't forget Trey Jones, younger brother Tyus Jones, who's freshman point guard for them as well, McDonald's All-American. You have four freshmen in your starting lineup that you're relying on heavily. And then no notable returning players on this roster. I mean, you have Marquise Bolden, who's been a backup big uh, for most of his time at Duke. He was a former Dollar American. And then you've got guys you can sprinkle that have played very minor roles at Duke at their time. Mm-hmm. Javin Delorier and Jack White and Alex O'Connell. Guys that just didn't haven't played that much. And now, you're, now we're expecting that, essentially, you're putting all this pressure on Zion, Cam Reddish, and... Uh, R.J. Barrett and Trey Jones, but mostly those three guys to give you 80% of your scoring, 90% of your scoring. And that's nice, but 
you can't also can't expect those guys who are freshmen to play like that every game. Yeah. And honestly, I, I've we've watched I've watched so much college basketball at this point. I follow I follow college basketball so closely, year in and year out, that I don't get caught up in freshman non conference performances. You know, last year I I made it clear to people that as high as I was on Trey Young this time last year. Yeah. yeah, this time, but in December, yeah. you know, non-conference, non-conference season on Trey, in Trey, how high it was on Trey Young, I made it clear that things were going to change in conference play. Yeah. Because when things get to conference play, I've seen it year in and year out with freshman sensations. Teams start to game plan because they know what these guys do. They know the coach, other coaches, how, I don't they, have, how, they, how they perform, how that, they their strategies. Exactly. Like, I don't know... Teams didn't know who Trey Young was. I mean, they knew who he was. He was not American, but they didn't know all of his tendencies. Mm-hmm. They didn't have weeks and weeks of film that they could break down on how Lon Kruger would use Trey yeah. Young or years of years of knowledge of playing against Lon, Lon, exactly. Lon Kruger like in the that, conference. I mean, when when I mean, for example, Duke Kentucky, John Calipari is coached against Coach K. Probably he can probably count on one hand. Right probably three, four, five times in his lifetime. When Duke plays against North Carolina, Roy Williams is going to know Coach K inside out because he plays him two or three times a year. So he's not going to let R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson do the same stuff they did that Coach Coach Cal let him do because he knows how Coach K is going to want to use those guys. So ultimately, there are a lot of reasons why college basketball freshmen don't perform as well in non-conference or in conference play as they do in conference play um, or they do in non-conference play. So with that being said, Duke will slow down a little bit. Uh, Should they be the favorites to win the national championship? I'll save that because uh, I'll give you my final four later. But that's my take on what happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do think that we got to pump the brakes a little bit. Because as much as Duke was very impressive, I think the stuff you outlined in regards to the concerns are important. Also, I think Kentucky was massively overrated. Uh, but they, I, but I don't know they why look, they were. They look great in the Bahamas. When they, they're the Bahamian national team, they beat them by like 30. I'll be honest, you know, I think that that's the only reason why they were ranked number two. Because I go back and I look at their roster. I don't see a team that should, I don't, they don't. They're not the second best team. No yeah. way. The, the thing about I know Kentucky, it looks like it was ridiculous them being rigged over Duke. Yeah, I mean, and I know like I look at it now and say it's probably easy to say that because I just saw them get beat by thirty four points. But like, I'm sorry, you match up their roster with a lot of other teams, even beyond Duke. I'm not picking them over Gonzaga. I'm not picking them over Virginia. Uh, I don't know if I've even picking them over a team like Tennessee or a team like. Uh, Nevada even like Kentucky are a bunch of guys who haven't proven anything it, it, who won this roster when I look at it and I'm saying oh this guy I know I can guarantee uh, has shown in throughout their careers that they can play and they, they got Johnson was a great freshman but I don't see a roster of guys that have sh- have shown that Kentucky is a what, top two or three team Kentucky's fallen off the last three what, four I, years. what I'll say about Kentucky is and even Duke, in terms of preseason hype, is that people, which is contradictory, honestly, what I'm about to say, but 
people weren't super high on this recruiting class. Right. You know, I mean, virtually everybody was like, this is going to be a very down draft. You know, there's not that much talent. I think people have very much jumped off that bandwagon after seeing R.J. Barrett and Zion Williams play. But, like, the idea was, well, we're not going to make Duke, like, the number one team in the country, number two team in the country, because they got three dudes that are not that highly rated, or that are highly rated, but in a, in a recruiting class isn't that strong to begin with. So, like, getting three guys in this recruiting class in the top three doesn't mean as much as it normally would. Yeah. But, so their logic was Kentucky's got, like, five McDonald American. Yeah. You know, similar to Duke, and they've got way more returning guys. Even if those guys that are returning aren't spectacular, they've got sophomores. But we've seen UK come back with less guys that were better and not do that good. Yeah. Like, we've seen them come back with... I mean, you could even I could even bring up the Monk Fox team, and that was actually a pretty decent team. But they weren't a top three team in the country. They were. They not. had and they had better players than yeah. this team does. Yeah, better guys coming in. Yeah. Um. So like, how? Like, I don't know. I, I don't think get it was, that ranking. I think, I think the ranking. More importantly, I think it came down to they they less about the recruiting class and more about what they had coming back, which. I don't. I look at who they had coming back. I, they the the idea was. I don't. I don't get it. We got Quad A Green back. Okay. DJ Washington, they brought in Reed Travis, who's from Stanford. Yeah, um, he's the only guy that played well. Him and yeah. Johnson, and so the idea was, and you brought in Nick Richards. You brought Nick Richards back. So like they had, I mean, I don't think these guys were that Some great last guys, year. But yeah, we've seen these guys. <laughs> yeah, play, we saw these guys play. And they, they were not great. impressive. But it's like, well, they were not all American. So it's like, you know, you see what they oh as sophomores they'd be better. It, look, it's I hard. Know. I know it's hard because of the one and done era, but like. I'm if sorry, you're not great as a freshman. Yeah, like we need to like these you people that are doing the rankings. They need to look at the teams as they are. Like Gonzaga might have any McDonald Americans, but I've seen Rudy Hachimura kill teams. I've seen, uh, you know, Killian Tilly Zach and Zach Norvell and Josh Perkins kill teams on the college level. Yeah. That's not like why am I projecting guys who couldn't score double figures last year? I'm saying <laughs> well, those guys are gonna be stars now. Nate Richards didn't like knew what he was doing. Yeah, and those guys are gonna be great, but like. I know a team like Gonzaga who has guys who are all conference guys, guys who could be all Americans, and I'm putting them behind guys who haven't proven anything. Yeah, I'm sorry that they need to. That was a bad ranking. But like you said, it also came down to the Bahamas tour. They, yeah, I do think that they looked well. at that and they're like, "Oh wow, look at this team now." I do, I do, I agree. I Honestly, I don't know what happened. Well, I will tell you what happened, and this is something that's crucial for Kentucky to kind of get out of their funk that they're whatever funk they're in is Tyler Hero. Who was the most, the most, the least heralded guy in that yeah. recruiting class? Was spectacular in that Bahamas tour. And I, I mean, I watched that and I was like, "This kid is gonna be one and done, and he's he's gonna be spectacular." And he's played awful in his first two games. Played very average against Duke, and then second game against Southern Illinois, they barely won. I don't know if he scored. Um, Cal Perry is relying on him to be like Malik Monk. Like he's gonna need him to be a sniper. And I mean, people already Kentucky fans already comparing him to Rex Chapman. A lot of hype coming in after the Bahamas tour. If he doesn't play well, this team doesn't have the offense of firepower to really, really be a top flight team. It's there's gonna be a lot of a lot of pressure on that kid. But ultimately, similar to really similar to last year's team, they need to find that guy that is their alpha dog. Remember yeah. last year was. Kevin Knox is clearly the most talented player, but he just doesn't have that alpha dog gene in him. 
and became Shea Gilgis Alexander. Came out of left field. Yeah. Came off the bench and he eventually became that the go to guy on that team. Yeah, supplanted Quade Green, who was supposed to be the guy. And I don't know who it is on this team. Hopefully, again, I think it has to be Tyler Hero, in my opinion, because he can the way he shoots it. But maybe it's Kelvin Johnson, maybe it's Ashton Hagens or Emmanuel Quickly at point guard. But they need some guy on that. Or maybe it's Reed Travis, who's the vet. Yeah, they need some guy to take that reign and be the the go to guy. But I, I don't think this Kentucky team's that good. I agree. I'll just be I honest. Mean, They're not a both top ten team. I don't think. Um. Speaking about the rest of college basketball, Kendall, what are you looking at as a big story line keep an eye on this season? Um, a big storyline. Uh, well, I looked at, I look at that that Virginia team, EJ, mm-hmm. and obviously the, the the crazy, the crazy thing that we've seen in college basketball probably in the last five years was them losing to UMBC because the first sixteen seeds ever lose to a one seed. And a lot of people are now, I think a lot of people have forgotten about this Virginia squad because they lost, um, they lost that game in the UNBC. But I think this is a team that could be extremely dangerous uh, this season. I think they are another team that, how they were not ranked ahead of Kentucky, it's beyond me. Um, yeah, again, Ty Jerome... And Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter weren't five star recruits coming out. I mean, Kyle Guy was down American, but like they weren't like top ten, right. one and done guys. Exactly. But like we see these guys on co- in college basketball in Virginia system be the number one team in the country. What makes me think that they wouldn't be able to beat Kentucky when we haven't seen any of those guys in Kentucky do it? Uh, but I feel like. I think by the time we get to January, the storyline in college basketball will be this Virginia team, maybe unbeaten by that point, trying to continue to kind of shake the the ghost of that UMBC loss. Really, and, the ghost of like just poor success. In yeah, the tournament. poor success in the tournament. But like, For it'll years. be even more like the UMBC loss will be that will be the entire embodiment of Tony Bennett's failures in March. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that that could ultimately be a storyline that we're talking about in April, with this Virginia team is they're they're still going, and they're still trying to shake that ghost. But in the regular season, especially, this team is very dangerous because just the way they play, they're a hard team to beat. I think Ty Jerome will break out this year. Uh, and I think Kyle Guy is already a great player. Um, DeAndre Hunter, guy that was hurt in the tournament last year uh also has a lot to prove coming back this year to nba scouts um i think that that's a good uh it's a good storyline because i think that like i think they kind of just fed the hot take beast with that loss to umbc everyone kept talking about this is a team that has struggled in the tournament yeah like you can't win a championship they can't win a championship with how they play and they just fed that hot beast hot take beast with blowing the six, the first team ever lose to sixteen. <laughs> I had them seed. in the final four, so. <laughs> no, I mean they just. And I'm sure a lot of people brackets were completely destroyed. You know, night one, uh, whatever they played in second or first or second night of the tournament. Um, I I do I I my instinct tells me that this is the year that they break through. I don't know how far, but I think they get past the first weekend and maybe even get to the elite eight. Because I, 
at a certain point, like a team that good just can't keep getting knocked off, and uh, they got they they ran into a team that just was red hot, and they had a pit, they had a terrible shooting night. It's just you know it's hard to explain, but that's was what happened in that U- random UMBC, game. UMBC, they their their program has been bugging more than UCF. With some of the stuff, they they oh, yeah, they hung a been, banner. They've been trolling like crazy. Their their Twitter account has just been taking endless shots at like Virginia. It's just like why? But I mean, it's a b- huge win for your program. I mean, but like, they know this is they, this is the last time we ever gonna talk about you. I mean, it's great like promo for the school. Yeah, but like, I mean, <laughs> what like what have what have they st- done? I was astounded by how many of the how many people thought that UNBC was a community college. <laughs> Go on Twitter. I mean, like, yo, Virginia losing to a community college. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you assumed BC or UNBC of the party was yeah. at Baltimore Community College. <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of my storyline of the year, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, te- the the darlings of last year, who are, who I think were given the respect. In the preseason rankings, will they live up to expectations? Interesting. Because, you know, as a Gonzaga fan, it's something I've complained about oftentimes. Uh, team, we're a program. I think, I think I gotta stop complaining. Honestly, I think this might be the year I, I, I officially have to stop complaining. I think we are recognized now as a top-notch program, considering they ranked us number three in the beginning, and this has got to be probably the highest we've ever started in a year. But I do know that that like that feeling of. You're a team, and you've established yourself. And yes, you're not one of the, the top echelon teams, and you're not from a major conference. But based on the guys you've brought back and the success you had the previous year, you would hope that the preseason rankings and the preseason awards and the the kind of previews that were happening they they would they would look at your teams respectfully and feel like you guys were a team that could then compete and take that next step. And for a Gonzaga fan, I we can tell you that we routinely were never given that respect every single time. Before, before this year, literally. Yeah. But, and I'm not even including them in this situation. I'm talking about some of these other teams, a Tennessee, a Nevada, an Auburn. These are teams that, they're all, besides Nevada, they're, they're from major conferences, but they're not basketball schools, and they shocked everyone with how they played last year. So the question in my head was, okay, they're, these are bringing a lot of guys back, but will they get that kind of respect in the rankings? Tennessee came in this year, coaches poll number six. Nevada came in at number nine. Nevada at number nine. I mean, that's, again, as a Gonzaga fan, I'm jealous because I don't know how many years as a mid-major we had a team similar to Nevada, but f- just because we were in the West Coast Conference, 23. Just like, just no, didn't matter who we had. It was just like, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't give us that initial respect. Um, a team like Auburn, number 12. Like, those were kind of, they were, those three teams I thought were the darlings of college basketball yeah, last year. Even Kansas State. Kansas State's another team we throw in, but they're, they're running the tournament. So these became the darling, and I and I talked about those other three teams particularly because though their regular seasons took grabbed a lot of attention. People people weren't really paying attention to K State, but those three other three teams people kept talking about. These are amazing stories, and they got a lot of respect. I want to see how these teams look now when people are coming after them. I think Nevada is as good as almost any other team in college basketball. You no, got loaded man. The, the Martin twins. Um, Jordan Caroline, Caroline. They, they brought in and then obviously bringing Jordan Brown to be Donald America. Yeah, I mean Nevada is a team that is 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 serious. The and question, Eric Musselman, people forget the guy's the NBA coach. Yeah, and Eric Musselman is a guy who has NBA experience, and as you kind of if you kind of pay attention to this stuff, you know that 
coaching in college sports goes a very, very long way. And, like, Eric Musselman's coached against Greg Popovich. Yeah, he made it. It didn't go very well. (laughs) But, like, the fact that he could even work off of that experience, when he's coached against some dude in the Mountain West, wherever conference, the whack, whatever conference he's in, he's going to kill those guys. I mean, those guys aren't the same level of coach. The the guys he's been assistants for are high-level guys. So, Nevada's a serious team. Uh, I'm looking to see what Rick Barnes does at Tennessee this year. Uh, Tennessee is a team that's in a conference that is coming up. Yeah. Grant Williams was – he was SEC player of the year last yes. year. Which, I mean, still doesn't get talked about. Uh, but it's very rare that you bring back the player of the year of a major conference. In this day and age because of all the one-and-done guys, yeah. that never happens. Yeah, generally it's a one-and-done guy or it's a senior. And or as a guy that's going to pro, <laughs> you, yeah. if you win Player of the Year in your conference, it's a major conference. You're probably going to go pro, but he comes back and again, like you mentioned, still not the favorite to win the conference. Um, yeah, no, they picked they picked UK, but they but like still, they are a top five team, top yeah, sixteen, exactly. you know. And these are not traditional powers, and Auburn's in that same class. So to me, I mean, how those teams handle that kind of success, how that that kind of target on their back is going to be interesting. Especially uh, the teams in the big conferences with Auburn and Tennessee, you know Nevada. They they might be able. They might not matter if they have a target on their back because them dudes are so much better than guys in their conference, as a Gonzaga fan could talk speak to. But for but in the tournament, that's going to be interesting when they get there, and it's going to be interesting for I think Tennessee and Auburn all year. Yeah, another another quick storyline to watch with the number one team in the country, Kansas, is how does this FBI trial affect? What could have been, what could be, or what could have been a, a very, very incredible season for Kansas? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they're already not going to play Silio de Sousa because, I mean, <laughs> he, it's caught on wiretap many times that that he's obviously been getting paid quite a <laughs> quite a few quite a few million dollars or thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, I don't think we ever seen him by the program, so he's not going to play at all. But. Um, so you already lost one of your big men, but this is already a deep team. You got you brought in Dedrick Lawson, and you brought in and KJ Lawson from Memphis. Dedrick Lawson supposed to be their best player at this point. Played decent uh, in that first game. Probably could have even played better. And then you bring in a top three recruiting class with three McDonald Americans. Quentin Grimes had twenty points against Michigan State in the Champions Classic. There's there's a huge expectation on this Kansas team that's bringing back Azubuki in the front court, yeah. bringing back Lajero Vic, um, that this team is supposed to compete for a national championship. But how you, I mean, this college basketball trial isn't completely done. You know, like, there's more stuff that's going to continue to come out while the season's going on. Right. Will guys get suspended? Will Bill Self get suspended? Will, um... Will things come out that just create a huge cloud over the program? Yeah. That affects the way these guys perform. I mean, remember what happened last year with Arizona? It, it wasn't a coincidence that when the college basketball scandal broke, Arizona completely fell apart. They did. They just, this was, I mean, this was before the Sean Miller, DeAndre Ayton thing. It, but it was when Book Richardson got arrested. Yeah. They were like, yo, Arizona. You know, they obviously clearly they're paying guys. They went to, what was it, Atlantis? Yeah. And they, they went 0-3. Yeah, they got swept. <laughs> they went 0-3. They were number two teams in the country. <laughs> they got swept. And got swept in Atlantis. They lost to some scrub teams. So, I'm not saying Kansas is going to 
just completely fall off the beaten path, but they've already played well against Michigan State, but they're gonna, it's going to be a tough grind this year having to deal with that controversy all season. And they're the number one team in the country. I think another storyline we're going to look at, or it's not storyline, but another topic of college basketball, best conference. This is tough for me, Kendall, because I think to me it's down to two conferences. I look at the ACC, the perennial best conference, and I do think this SEC is coming up. Um, this SEC, and it's crazy because the SEC has been a terrible conference for so long. But, I, you know, I, I don't think Kentucky is the top. Any, I don't think they're the top two. I don't think they're one of the top two teams in the SEC. Yeah. But they are Kentucky. But you include Auburn, you include Tennessee, you include Mississippi State. Uh, that team, that conference gets a little deeper than, than maybe you, on the surface, you know. Um, but I think I'm still going to go with the ACC. Duke and Virginia are the obvious two teams. You talked about Virginia. We talked about Duke. But I think Carolina is not going to be a team that we should uh, forget either. Um, they have one of the top freshmen in the country this year. It, Naz Little. Yeah, Naz Little. They have uh they have what's the name? Um Luke, Luke May, May. Yeah. who who's a player of the year candidate. So North Carolina is not gonna be a team to forget about as well. Florida State had a great run in the NCAA tournament, unfortunately for my Gonzaga Bulldogs, but fortunately for them. Uh they had a great run in the NCAA tournament last year. Syracuse has uh has battle who could be a top ten pick in the draft this yes. year. So the ACC is still very deep. Um, Clemson is a team that I also look at too. So, I mean, they're a team. There is, they probably only are legitimately two teams that can win it. I think. I think that Duke and Virginia is above everyone else. Maybe Carolina sneaks up there, but I feel like just the depth of quality teams is too much. I think the SEC is great, and I, I would argue maybe their four top four teams could. I mean, Kentucky couldn't compete with Duke, but other than that, I think that they they're not they're not that far off. Right. But I think once you get past five and six, and say I'm going to Syracuse and FSU and Clemson, the SEC doesn't have enough teams right. after that that compete with those other teams. So that's why I give the ACC a slight edge this year. Yeah, uh, I mean, if we're just going pure depth, I mean, the ACC will likely have the most tournament teams, um, but. If we're arguing who has the best chance of having the most Final Four teams or the most Elite Eight programs, that's tough because, like, and like I said, I mean, the ACC is going to have, they might have 10 tournament teams this year. If that's your measure of a great conference, um, I, it still might be the ACC because, I mean, Duke obviously will be a Final Four contender. North Carolina will be a Final Four contender. Uh, I think Virginia is going to be very strong yep. this year. Um, but I also think the Big Ten will be very good this season. Because I think, I mean, they don't have, when I look at the Big Ten, I don't know if they have that national championship program. Right. Um, but I think Michigan, I mean, every year is in the conversation almost no matter who's on the roster. seems like once tournament time <laughs> comes, they seem to figure it out. Yeah, and there will be a player on Michigan. I don't know if it's Charles Matthews from last year or Jordan Poole or whoever. There's going to be somebody that played a slight role on the national championship team that will be like a Big Ten 
all, all on all Big Ten players this yeah. season, and we will be like, How, when was this guy this good? We'll be like, well, he spent a, an, an all season in John Beeline's system, and yeah, right, Beeline, Beeline, the way he develops players, he's the he's the Midwest. And he gave him the 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 role. Yeah, he's the Midwest Mark feel. Yeah, where like guys that were marginal, <laughs> they. Spend a year on the bench and then they come back next yeah, year. I mean, the guy's all American. Like, Burke, who, who is this guy? Tim Hardaway came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then Nick Stauskas came out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, Karis Levert was an NBA and, player. And, and Mo Wagner. Yeah, came and out Mo Wagner. Nowhere. Every year, it's like guys who were like decent recruits, but like they were just minimal guys on yeah, the team. Guys, they start as role players and they, end, they leave yeah, as lottery picks. Every single time. But I think Michigan State will be a little better than people maybe expect. Um, and then, I think so too. I'm not. I'm not gonna go crazy over that loss. They yeah. played the number one team in the country. They played the number one team in the country. They're, they still. They got they fought. Ward. They got Winston. They, they're still yeah. gonna be good. And I also think. I think Purdue might also end up being better than people expect. Uh, Carson Edwards comes back, and he, I think, will be one of the four or five best players. He'll be a first team All American, I think. And we all know about guard play in college basketball. That gets you very far. They're like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then watch out watch out for Indiana. Uh they brought in Romeo Langford, uh, who's probably the most hyped recruit in the state of Indiana since I don't know, maybe Larry Bird. I don't know. Long don't time. give it too away on too much away on Langford. I might have to talk about him a little later. All right, yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, Indiana is a team to look at too. Yeah, I think Indiana could there's a lot of a lot of high hopes for Archie Miller, so uh there are, there's a lot in the Big Ten that I think people should be excited about, and so I wouldn't count them out as well. Kendall, you have a, a team that you feel like is under the radar this year that we need to pay attention to? Under the radar team this year? Actually, I do. Okay. Um, I, I see in that in the top 25, Oregon's at 14, and I, that's not completely under the radar. I mean, you're a top 14 team in the country, but I think Oregon uh, has a chance to be very dangerous. Um I think Bowl Bowl kind of came in a little underrated, which is that's crazy. But yeah, I agree. Guy, he's a lottery. I mean, I mean, people think it would be a lottery pick as a top five, ten recruit, but didn't come in with a lot of hype. Maybe it's because he went to Oregon, but I think he's going to be more impactful. Than I think people even realize. And they brought in not only him, but Lewis King was also been down American. And then you bring back pretty much everyone that was on the the roster last season. I think Oregon. Uh, can really compete for a national title. Um, I don't know if we're t- if we're talking teams that are like outside the top twenty five or outside that top twenty range. Um, I think it's tough. I mean, I mentioned Purdue. Uh, I mentioned yeah. Carson Edwards. I think they're going to be tough, and then I also I also think. F- I think LSU also will be tough. Okay. Uh, they have a freshman, Naz Reed, who scored 29 last game. But this guy looks like he's going to end up being, like, Boogie Cousins. So they're going to be tough. And then one more team, throwing out a lot of teams, but one more team that's not really on anybody's radar right now, I think Vanderbilt will end up being Interesting. extremely tough. What about Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt, they brought in, uh, you know, Bryce Drew at – how he brought it. Bryce Drew comes from the Scott Drew world of recruiting. Clearly, <laughs> brought in a top ten recruiting class, two million dollar American. But Darius Garland at point guard, 
is the closest thing we'll have this year to Trey Young. Mm, okay. Best point guard in the country goes to a local school, and he's from Tennessee, and he's gonna have the complete reins of that roster. And I think they'll be a top. I think they'll be a top six seed in the NCAA tournament this year. I got a couple teams as well. I I had two teams from the same conference. Neither of those teams were ranked, which is a little surprising to me. I'm going UCF and Cincinnati. Uh, I'm very surprised that. So you see, I'm not getting ranked. I'm not as surprised because I think that they're kind of a if you know you know kind of team, <laughs> where I think people know they're they're good, but you kind of really have to know, and you have to kind of give a little more respect to the AAC than maybe they have earned so far, or at least they earned coming up to this season. But uh, UCF is pretty much bringing their entire team back, and I think that Johnny Dawkins is finally probably in a, a good spot, where I think that you know. The Stanford situation, I think, was, I don't want to say in over his head, but Pac-12, no real recruiting ground. <laughs> it's not, it, that doesn't Stanford really, is not Duke. Yeah, I think doesn't they thought really, they were Duke, but yeah, they're not Yeah, doesn't have the recruiting background in that area. It wasn't a good fit. But uh, Florida, he can recruit very well. He played in, in the East, and he's coached and recruited in the East, and he recruited guys out of Florida. Uh, UCF is really good. And I think Cincinnati is still going to be a good team. I know they've lost some guys, but... Uh, they would surprise me if I was surprised that they weren't ranked at all. I, they would surprise me if they're not another twenty-five win team, twenty-six win team this year. So there are two teams to look at. I guarantee you they'll be ranked by the end of the, the time the season's over. And then the other team I was looking at—they uh, kind of escaped me just recently. Um, uh, who was I looking at? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll throw in St. John's. I'll throw in St. John's. I'll say that. Their coach, they he's got to figure. Mullen's got to figure out how to really run a real offense, but there aren't too many teams that have an offense as explosive as St. John's does. I mean, excuse me, backcourt as explosive as St. John's does with Heron and and, and Pont. Yeah, You're talking about players that are gonna be exciting that can fill it up. These Guys two can kids, twenty five any night. These two kids team. can score. So if they can figure out how to get the other guys involved and, and just do enough. To 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 get those other guys involved, then I I would say that those are the teams that I would I would pay attention to. There was another team I had, and it escaped me right before we started. But um, also watch out for uh, Xavier. I think Xavier. Yeah, Xavier's getting no respect. People are talking. I mean, Chris Mack left obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but this program is still. The the program didn't die. The program didn't die when Dad Mata left. The program didn't die when Sean Miller left. Program won't die when Chris Mack left. When Chris Mack leaves, um, and they brought back a lot from what they had, so I think I think Xavier is going to be tough this and, season. And watch out for Syracuse too. I think I know Syracuse is ranked number 15, 16, but as we've seen, you know, a team with a good system and a great player, they they could overachieve. And you got this a guy like fit, yeah. you got a guy like Battle. You got that two three zone. Battle's I mean, another guy. He's one of the five best players in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Syracuse is a team that I think is serious, and they got a coach who is extremely experienced. I know I said he was trash because of what he did with LeBron a couple weeks ago, but in terms of it, from my respect for his coaching ability, Jim Beheim is shown last and year Beheim, again. I mean, he he knows how to win in March. He knows how to maneuver his team through a season. They're going to have some weird upsets during the, early in the season. Every year, Syracuse loses to 
Northeastern or something like that, and no one knows why. But trust me, as this team team comes along, I think that Syracuse is a team to definitely look His at. His son, uh, Beheim's son, yeah, Buddy Beheim. It's gonna be a very he's a freshman, but he's gonna be a uh, very impact player for them this year. Um, the weird thing about Syracuse is that uh, they feel like they're one of those programs where, like Michigan State, when you think they're gonna be good, they're not. Yeah, and we don't think they're gonna be good. They go to the Final Four, but um, how do you feel about TCU? I know you. Yeah, that. TCU is another team that team that you've been high on. Yeah, I've been high on that program and their rise. Um, it's been a little slower than I thought, but they've been rising. That's not like they've st- plateaued. They made the tournament last year, coming number twenty this year. They, I didn't even want to jump on the TCU bandwagon again because bandwagon again for the second third year in a row. Only because it seems like something always goes wrong. <laughs> they always have some kind of terrible injury yeah. or something where it looks like they're right, right there and then something happens. Uh, they have the team this year again that make you think that they should be able to compete for that second or third spot in the Big 12. But will they have another massive injury like they had last year? You know, like that's, yeah. you know, Fisher tore his ACL and that was it. And that, that ended their chances of really having a season that looked like it could have been special. So if they can maneuver their way out from not getting those kind of injuries, because they're not that deep. They're not a team that can afford one guy or two guys to go down. If they can maneuver their way out of those kind of situations, I think they, they could also have a great year. I don't know how you feel about TCU. So you bringing them up. Yeah, no. Um, I don't know. A lot of it's going to be on, like you mentioned, Jalen Fisher. You know, he had D surgery. Uh him, him coming back, uh, how he comes back will be important for them. Um, but they obviously have the talent to be – they'll definitely be a tournament team. I don't know if they're a top six like, – are they a top four seed or top 16 team in the country, but they're, uh, they're a tournament team. The Big 12 is just a gauntlet, so it's – I don't know if it'll be as strong as it's been in years past because Oklahoma will be down – the OK State will be down. Yeah. Um, Texas Virginia will be down. Lost. Yeah, West Virginia, we expect to be strong, but they just got upset, which we'll talk about later in the show. Uh, KU, honestly, people talk about that streak. I don't think the streak's being broken this year of winning the Big so 12. Either. The only way is if things implode so horribly because of the scandal that they, they can't feel the basketball program. Because I, I don't think the Big 12's strong enough. It's deep, but... I don't think there's the firepower at the top of the conference, which ultimately could mean, honestly, the biggest threat to Kansas is Kansas State, but which could mean that TCU will stay afloat this year. Death taxes and Kansas wins the Big 12. That's the saying that college basketball fans all know. Can the overrated team? Most overrated team in the country? Um, interesting, interesting. Uh, I, I It's... Well, by way of their own performance, I think Duke is overrated. But um, the most overrated, though? No, no, I wouldn't say the most overrated, okay. but slightly overrated. But we talked about that already. But I think uh, I think Virginia Tech, uh, at least in this top twenty-five, is really? sorely overrated. Um, they've got some players. Uh, Buzz Williams has done a decent job there, but. There's nothing special about their roster. Nothing special about Buzz Williams. I don't think as a coach. Um, 
And the ACC is so tough that, like we talked about, if you don't consistently bring in, if you don't consistently have big-time nights every night, you're going to end up going 8-8 eight and eight at the, <laughs> you're going to end up going 8-8 yeah. eight eight at the end of the, at the, of the conference season. Now yeah. you're, I mean, the ACC, it might, you might be a 17 going 8-8 eight and eight in your conference or going 9-7 and nine and seven or whatever, it would be 10-7. and seven. But with the with Virginia Tech, that's what I see them. I see them as like an eight nine seed, like they were last year. Don't don't see this team as a uh, as a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then beyond them, uh, I'm gonna say I'm not sure about North Carolina. Really? Yeah, I'm not sure about North Carolina. They. Even with Little and May. Little, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure about Nasir Little, really. I think he's I think he's, a, I think he's a good prospect. I think he's a good freshman. I think he's been a little overhyped because of the way he played uh, in the all-star circuit of playing McDonald's and Jordan Ray. He's MVP of both games. Yeah. So after that, the NBA scouts saw him. They're like, yo, this, this guy's the, the second-best prospect in the, in the country outside of R.J. Barrett. People overlook Zion Williamson, obviously. How I don't know, but um, regardless, I think if we're putting all this pressure and this hype on this North Carolina team on Nasir Little, I think that's a little strong. And then now that's also putting a lot of pressure on Luke May, who I think's a very good player, very good college player. I don't know if he's a national player of the year kind of guy. Okay. And so I don't know. I think North Carolina. They'll be a tournament team, obviously. They'll be a top twenty-five team. I don't know if they're. Final Four are good. I think they're probably more in that fifth, sixth seed range. Um, I'm going to go with UCLA, who right now is ranked number 20 and 21. They had a great recruiting class. It's missing Sharif O'Neal, who yeah. is, had heart surgery. And Tiger Campbell, uh, he tore his ACL. So two of the, the recruiting class, two of the guys that made their recruiting class top-notch are not there. Um. Moses Brown's from New York City, yeah, Malloy. So we know about Moses Malone, Moses Malone, Moses Brown. Hey, they wish it was Moses Malone. Yeah, they wish. Yeah, he. That's where I'm going. He's not a Moses Malone. <laughs> um, I don't know if his impact year one is going to be as profound yeah, as maybe other five star type guy. He's not to me. He's not a one and done he's a project. Yeah. yeah, he's not a he one and done type very, of guy. He's actually looked better than I expected in the preseason circuit, but. That's also against, you know, Los Angeles Los Angeles State, whoever they're playing. Yeah, they're playing, you know, yeah. And he's 7-1, so he's going to look great against those. I guys. just feel like this is a team that lost a dog with Aaron Holiday. That dude did everything for them. And to think that you could lose that guy and people think you're going to be better, I'm never going to buy that. Because last year they, they barely made the tournament. So you're telling me you lose that guy, you add a bunch of unexper- inexperienced freshmen, and you're supposed to be better than you were last season. I can't. I can't go that far. Jalen Hands is an explosive, exciting young guard. Hopefully, in his second year, he can kind of figure it out. But and you know Moses Brown again, 18 and 13 in his first two games. He's played great. But is he gonna do that in conference play against better teams? <laughs> yeah, like I said, I don't. Other teams that have guys. I've seen the guys that aren't six five, six six. He's going against guys with real size. I don't think that's happening. So, I I would be surprised if if 
that team is ranked going into the tournament. I'm not saying they won't make it, but I think 21 is very high for UCLA. I, I don't see a team that's – I don't think they're better than the teams I ranked. I said before, I don't think they're better than Cincinnati. I don't think they're better than UCF. Uh, I think they're better than St. John's, but St. John's is really under the radar. But I, I, I don't I don't see that team um, – I don't think they're better than Syracuse. So Syracuse was ranked a little higher than them, but they were in around the same area. So I, I think UCLA is a team that I would be surprised they, they ended up in the top 25. Um, Kendall, is there a coach in the hot seat you think we should be uh we should be fearing for? Coach on the hot seat that I mean we shouldn't fear for anybody's job, but they should be fearing for the job. Okay. <laughs> uh, interesting. Who's the guy that I'm shocked still has a job? Um, <laughs> Bill Self should be on the hot seat, honestly. Uh. <laughs> But uh, let me think. I mean, I see the I see the picture. There's a picture of Chris Mullins. Chris Mullins is <laughs> Chris on that Mullen list. certainly on the hot seat. Uh, all those guys that that you have on the screen are certainly on the hot seat. But I, I'll, I think Mark Turgeon is on a mm. is on a real hot seat because uh, Maryland, especially look, that whole FBI scandal is kind of made it clear how the game is played in college basketball. Maryland's program, not brought up as much as I, you would expect considering their Under Armour team, but they mm-hmm. were brought up in the whole Sylvia D'Souza thing uh, with Kansas. But with that being said, Under Armour has, they have, Maryland, Maryland has Under Armour's backing uh, more than any program in the country. They should be consistently being a top, they should consistently pump out top recruiting classes, consistently have a top program. And he really fell short when this team, they had the opportunity when they had Melo Trimble and Diamond Stone to really be a Final Four type of team. And he let that program, yeah. he let that period slip with, under, with Melo Trimble at point guard. Now, I mean, they, they brought they actually brought in a Miguel American, Jalen Smith, but not a guy that, not one and done, not supposed to change life for them so things can get really bad for maryland i think that's a program that again in college basketball the way this game is played could be very dangerous could be a very dangerous team very dangerous program going forward but it just hasn't happened under mark turgeon uh but i think another coach could really have maryland on the rise yeah and maryland remember they they just had a, a massive coaching scandal so uh, they could be maybe more happy with the trigger finger after they were destroyed. Yeah, they may bring, need for good bringing back PR. the other guy, the college football coach. Kind of a distraction. <laughs> yeah, so um, they might need someone to kind of revitalize the program a little bit. Uh, Chris Mullins on the hot seat. They have been miserable in conference play. Uh, they I, and they won just twelve conference games in their three years in under Chris Mullen. And they've never finished above five hundred. I think his record is like thirty eight and sixty going into this season. They didn't inspire much much uh much confidence in yeah. that first game where it was you a know fight against Bowling Green. Yeah, a fight against Bowling Green where it was just a Mustafa Heron show <laughs> to get them out of that. Shamori Pond, he was asleep. I don't know why. Yeah, it was a Mustafa Heron show to get them out of that. And that's kind of been the, the Mantra for Mullen. It's been bo- ponds or bust, and at least 
This year they have another guy, but is it going to be just Pons and Heron and Bus? So, uh, well, I think they're our team to look at because they got exciting guards. It's got to happen now. Richard Pitino is a guy to look at, too. Richard Pitino came in, a lot of excitement, early on success, but no tournament success. They got upset in the first round, and then it's just been – last year was just a Richard complete – man. It just completely fell apart in a way that nobody expected for them. What is, what's tough about Richard Pitino? I mean, obviously, they, they, he brought in Jelly Fam, which brought in a lot of attention in the underground basketball world. <laughs> For real. I don't think you guys know who Jelly Fam is to the people who don't know. Isaiah Washington, New York point guard, okay. founder of the Jelly Fam. If you don't know who the Jelly Fam is, Google go it. Ahead, go ahead, hashtag Jelly Fam on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll see a lot of great emojis and you'll get yeah. it. But uh, he brought in Isaiah Washington, didn't light up the world. Minnesota is just a weird job because they consistently bring out five star type of players, whether it be. Uh, Royce White back in the day, who they, who they actually got, but Tyus Jones, Gary Trent, um, Reed Travis, who's at Kentucky now, was from Minnesota. Trey Jones, Rashad Vaughn, they've consistently had, and none of those guys besides Royce White, who's had his own problems, obviously, and didn't last. Yeah, and didn't last. Lasted like two weeks at Minnesota. None of those guys stay at Minnesota. Like we started with Royce White and other guy. I'm like, those guys have played for Minnesota. I was like, oh, I know what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> those guys, those guys don't go to Minnesota, like, and that's a major problem. Um, this year, they this, there's a kid Matthew Hurt who's from Minnesota that Minnesota's on the list, and his brother Michael Hurt is actually on the roster. So you would think that might help them in getting him, but. I mean, it seems a lot more likely to end up at Kansas, Duke, or Memphis. So I, I that would also not help Richard Pitino's case. But they need to start getting guys from Minnesota to stay at Minnesota. And Richard Pitino came in with his, you know, Northeast gimmick. Yeah. And brought, was able to get bring in a lot of assistants that could recruit in the Northeast and brought in Isaiah Washington, but... That's not going to work in Minnesota. So, honestly, what he needs, he needs a change of scenery. He's got to save his job this year and move to a job that makes a lot more sense geographically for Richard Pitino. Yeah. There are some coaches that are great at that. Like, they're in the hot seat, they have a decent enough year, and then they just get another job. Yeah. Because it buys them another four years. Now, yeah. I mean, like, Josh in, terms, in terms of your family, like, yeah, like, you know, I guess it's not great to have to, like, move to another city and change schools, change your kids' schools and stuff. But, I mean, like, Again, you're not on the unemployment line. You're still yeah. getting a paycheck. So I, I think that actually would be smart for him to just get out of there because it's never going to work out in Minnesota. So, yeah, I mentioned Bettino. Uh, his record at – He should have took the Xavier job if he could have got it. That would have been great for him. That would have been a much better I fit. They wanted him, but. Yeah, I, I don't think they wanted him either. But uh, he's only 91 and 78 in Minnesota. Uh, he just It's just been mediocre. You know, first year, 25 wins, didn't make the tournament. Second year, 18 wins, 8 wins. Then they finally got to the tournament one year, 24-10, and 10, but then they got upset in the first round. Then last year, they came into the year ranked number 15, and they ended up with 15 wins. So, Patin, I, a lot, and, like, look, I, when they hired him, honestly, I didn't get it. He had one. He didn't even do that great at FIU in the one year he coached college it was nepot- football. It was, nepotism. it was pure nepotism that he even got this job. <laughs> and, look, he sounds like his dad. He looks like his dad. But, like, that can only get you so far. You ain't getting the wins. So, and I hate to 
nah, that's two Northeast New York guys I'm knocking on. So that I don't enjoy doing that with Mullen and Patino. So, but those are guys I think that are, are on red hot seats to me. Because I think, even though you made the point about Patino and recruiting, he's gotten good players. He may not have gotten the, the and with every college basketball place, you got to get your homegrown guys. And yes, he's missed out on homegrown guys, but he's also recruited high end talent and they still haven't been able to perform. So, yeah. You recruit the way Patino has in pre in past years, and you still can't crack a Big Twelve conference that's been down all these years. Wisconsin has been on the decline for years now. Uh, Michigan State is kind of teetering a little bit. Ohio State. Ohio State has been way on the decline these last three or four years. Like the fact that he couldn't break through during all these years when these other powers have been down. Indiana down like. Yeah, Illinois is non-existent. Illinois is not even on the map anymore. I mean, this Big Ten was ripe for a team like Minnesota, a young coach, exciting coach with a big name, come in there and maybe make noise. And the fact that they have zero tournament wins in five years, they ain't going to get it done. So if Patino doesn't turn around this year, he could be out of a job. Kendall, new coach to watch this year. I'll let you go first. You're going to let me go first. I'll go with Chris Mack at Louisville. Uh, Chris Mack. There's I, only one answer to this question, <laughs> by the way. Well, Chris Mack, uh, I think he's one of the best coaches in college basketball, honestly. I think that I, I kind of. So you think Louisville got a steal then with the position they were in? Yeah, I thought Louisville got the best guy they could have gotten because Chris Mack has proven he does not need five-star recruits to win. He's proven that he could <laughs> – uh, he's proven, but he's proven he can consistently get solid players to his program. His program has shown they can compete against anyone. Uh, even from moving from moving into the Big East, which when I mean, people thought, okay, how was Avery looking the Big East? Well, they came in and they became one of the top two or three teams in that conference pretty much for the last three years. Remember the long debate we had about uh, how when I when I said Butler and Xavier. We're going to be the same programs when they went to the Big East. And you were like, Butler and Xavier are going to be fine yeah. going to the Big East. Yeah, I, I won that one. Yeah, you're right about that one. <laughs> they both uh, ended like up very Butler fine. Butler all Brad Stevens. Yeah, you want to Going to the Big East, they're going to be a train wreck. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. You wanted to think that because you're a, a, a Stevens uh, lifer now. But, um, <laughs> but no, I think that Chris Mack, that situation because of the scandal with what happened with Patino. They had that weird year last year under Padgett. Uh, I'm I'm very fascinated to see what a guy like him does. I think that he's a good hire because he knows the area well. Cincinnati to Louisville is very close. I know people don't know where Cincinnati is in the Ohio map, but it's actually very south and right next to Kentucky. Yeah. So it's an easy move down south for him. Um, I know, and I think honestly, while he's not going to really compete with Cal Perry for recruits, that's not his jam. I think that he's kind of a perfect foil for him because like Cal Perry is like your Hollywood. Dude, and Chris Mack is your blue collar, you know, low low key type of guy. I think a, that that's the kind of rivalry. I think that you, could be really cool. You hear a, uh, sticks around long. You want to hear a recruiting story that's happened recently okay. with Chris Mack versus John Calipari? Oh, okay, it's be fun. So there's a kid, Aiden Igihan. Uh, he's Irish, uh, but he plays in New Jersey. Uh, I don't know what high school. He probably goes to the press school or something. I don't remember. But plays AAU like in the Northeast or whatever. New Jersey kind of player. Um, 
Uh, they call him the Irish Hulk. Very strong, brolic guy. But regardless, he's a five-star recruit. Okay. And being recruited by Kentucky, Louisville, all these schools. Kentucky obviously had their pick of the litter for the most part. So they're not recruiting him nearly as ho- hard as uh, a school like Louisville, who's under wraps. Obviously, they need to. They, they're scrapping for any guy they can get at this point. Yeah. Uh, and this kid, again, he's from Ireland. Family's in Ireland. Um, John Calipari, apparently the kid wants an offer from Kentucky for the longest time. Calipari's very hesitant to offer this kid. They finally do last minute. Chris Mack, twice, flies over to Ireland to meet with this kid's parents. And where do you think the kid ended up going or committing to? Kentucky. Louisville. Oh. Louisville. But shows you that... Calipari has the the again the Hollywood. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you're Kentucky good. You know, you're a low five star type of guy from Ireland. From Ireland, I don't know. And Chris Mack put in the work and but the effort. That's Chris. flew over to meet the guy's parents. Yeah, that's Chris Mack in a nutshell. In Ireland, I mean, yeah. what what coach goes to a, to a European country to recruit a guy who's in the states? Not like he lives in Ireland. Yeah, he just did that just to meet the guy's parents. Got the kid to go to Louisville, um, but like you said again, different personality. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, he's a he's a good foil Calipari in terms of a storyline standpoint too, because he's not afraid. He's not going to back down, because I think that we saw that in the Mick Cronin rivalry. Mick Cronin, uh, shout out to Mick Cronin. I actually interviewed him. Good dude. Uh, Mick Cronin though, in that rivalry, tried to throw his weight around a so little he, bit. He's going to bully him. Yeah, like, and, this guy and, doesn't know what he's getting and Mac into. showed several times he was not going to be pushed around. <laughs> and his players showed they weren't going to be pushed around. Yeah. I think that's why Xavier ended up, I think, in that tenure, winning that rivalry yeah. during those years. Because I think that Mick Cronin and his team, they have an attitude, and that's why they are successful. And I think Mac, um, they, Mac met his intensity, and therefore that team met their intensity, and that's why they kicked the crap out of Cincinnati all those years. So... I I'm, I want to see what that what that looks like with Kentucky on like a bigger stage. Can he rise up to that occasion? Will his guys rise up to that occasion um, without the confidence of being able to stand? But I think last time with Patino, they stood behind this confident legend. That's why they always battled Kentucky. I think maybe they didn't have maybe the, the talent on paper. They knew that their coach could get their coach. Yeah. He is just a bigger name. He's just a bigger star. And he's probably better. And he's a better coach. Yeah. So, so they played better. with an irrational confidence. A guy like Russ Smith, Peyton C. And guys, he recruited guys. Some guys Rogier, played like they could battle these guys. Donovan Mitchell. I mean, think about the guy <laughs> Patino recruited. He recruited guys that think that they're They're great. Superstars. Exactly. So it was a – so how did – so now there's a shift because now he's not really – like Mac doesn't get the irrational confidence guys. He no. gets the – Blue collar, yeah, grit, and grind, kind grit of and grind kind of guys. But how does that match against Calipari's Hollywood NBA players? It's going to be a fun, fun thing to look at. Well, sorry, real quickly, go to your Penny Hardaway propaganda. Oh, EJ, spoiling the pick. <laughs> we <laughs> know where you were going. So I'm also going with a, uh, a John Calipari foil. But this one uh, will be Penny Hardaway, EJ, like you mentioned, uh, at Memphis. Uh, for this season, it'll be very interesting to see how this team looks. If you want a if you want a midi preview, you can watch our YouTube my my YouTube video interview that I had with Penny Hardaway. One of the crazy things I've I've done in my entire life, but um, where we kind of we you know we we chop it up about <laughs> about the Memphis roster and about how the outlook of the program. But um, no, yeah, things will gonna be are gonna be very interesting for this program this season because 
Um, it's kind of a bridge year because a lot of people have high expectations for the recruiting class that uh, they are likely going to bring in for next season. But for this season, you have four or five guys returning from Tubby Smith's roster, the core guys from that team that nearly won the the American Conference Tournament right. inexplicably. And you bring those guys back, including Jeremiah Martin, who led the conference in scoring. And you bring in the top recruiting class in the conference and combine those two things together, and you would you would think that this is a team that could compete for an American Conference championship. The X factor beyond, I mean, you don't know how freshmen will play. Yeah. Uh, he has two point guards from Memphis that one he coached in high school, another he coached against in high school. Both guys he got to play together, which was was a feat in and of itself because most people thought they hated each other, but got them to both come to Memphis. But um, the biggest X factor in this roster in this program is going to be can Penny Hardaway coach? Can I mean Mike Miller is also on his staff. I, I also don't know if he can coach. Hmm. Brought in Sam Mitchell, who I know he can coach in the NBA. Can he? Does he know how to coach in college? Um, so those are, that's going to be the question because if Penny Hardaway can coach this roster, which is arguably the most talented in the conference outside of maybe UCF, yeah, they can, this is a legitimate program, a tournament team. But we've seen countless number of times. You mentioned with Chris Mullen, seen with Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, saw Clyde Drexler at Houston, NBA star players, and we've seen it in the NBA plenty of times, star players a lot of times have trouble coaching X's and O's uh, at a high level. Will that be the case with Memphis? It may not matter once Penny Hardaway starts getting five-star recruits onto campus, but... Which is expected. Yeah, yeah, I mean, very If he followed the tea leaves in the recruiting trail. Yeah, there was was a report that came out yesterday that... uh, the, the Memphis staff is telling boosters that James Wiseman is a done deal. He's the number one player in the country. Say so he's a done deal to, to go to Memphis, which I mean, that's a storyline. You say that, but Kyle Perry is. I've seen Kyle Perry do some crazy guys stuff. from people that they just knew yeah. they had, so I would not yeah. count my story, chickens before they hatch with him at all. Another story was, uh, you remember, I don't know if you remember Terrence Jones. Yep. He had committed, committed to uh, Washington. Yes, he did. And then, like, a couple of days later, Ended <laughs> up signing with Kentucky. It made no sense. As <laughs> so, someone who's following that, I was like, "What just happened?" So I mean, <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of people that feel like that might have been a plant from Kentucky to maybe, you know, maybe irk Wiseman a little bit. Be like, "Whoa, we need a done deal." Right. I don't know, but regardless, um, a lot of a lot of Memphis fans are on pins and needles because the signing signing week is coming up. But uh, yeah, this program this program is honestly more about. This season is a lot more about recruiting than it is about basketball for Memphis this year. But um, still, as a Memphis fan, I'm very excited. Let's do lightning round. We're kind of running out of time. Player to watch, a newcomer to watch this year. Newcomer to watch. Uh, I mentioned a lot. Uh, I'm going to say, I, I mentioned Darius Garland earlier, but I'm going to say Quentin Grimes at Kansas. Okay. Um, who I think will be, uh, will play himself into the top six by the end of this season. I think he'll be a top 10 pick, certainly. Uh, I think a lot of people talk about Deidre Lawson, but I think Quinn Grimes is actually Kansas' best player. 
no sour grapes there because uh, DJ Lost needs to play for the <laughs> Memphis Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Hey, no, all respect for DJ for DJ Lost. Man, I got the baller. I'm glad he's getting all of a sudden all these all these DJ Lawson experts have come out of nowhere. No, yeah, I'm watching college game day. Everybody's like, "Oh, DJ Lawson was so great at Memphis." <laughs> I'm like, "You didn't watch one game this guy <laughs> played at Memphis. We were never on TV. We stunk." <laughs> but <laughs> nevertheless, uh, yeah, I think Quentin Grimes is gonna be a, a big factor in Kansas's what could be a special season for them. You mentioned Romeo Langford. That's where I'm going. Uh, Very high in Romeo Langford. This guy is great athlete, silky smooth. Indiana, this is, a, this is the biggest recruit they've had in a long time. You know, yeah, since Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, I was going to say, yeah, it's probably the last guy where, like, Indiana got a top-notch dude. Uh, Archie Miller, we know his brother's in a lot of issues, but people are still excited about what he can do at Indiana. Oh, yeah. They've, I'd be very shocked if the Romeo Langford recruitment was clean. But... <laughs> Nonetheless, he they got him on no, campus. He's from Indiana, so they got him. They got him on campus. I'm excited to see what he does, and I'm hopeful that this could be the beginning of Indiana making a run here. Because I think it's always better when they're Indiana's good at in college basketball. The few years Kelvin Sampson got them going, it was exciting. No, <laughs> Kelvin Sampson, yeah, it, it was exciting. What happened? <laughs> but uh, coincidence, it, it fell apart. The the Miller and the 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 Kelvin Sampson years are the years when things are exciting. I know, but I'm just saying. Tom Crean was so boring. It, it was what it was. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, Crean. No, Crean had a Crean had a, a one year. Well, yeah, Crean had the Zeller old. Yeah, Zeller. He probably was doing some stuff too to get them guys there. Yeah, Zeller. Yeah. yeah. You know, he we, got, we all like he had Zeller. one great. He had one great recruiting class, and you know, old Depot. He was he was low profile. Yeah, that's true. Credit. I I, I don't think he got anything. But, Zeller. Um, I don't know. <laughs> he, they, but, they, they they can fake the funk that he's a local kid, but. but nonetheless, Indiana's had these snapshots with these coaches where like it looks like things could turn around and then it falls apart randomly. Hopefully, with the start with Langford, I mean he's only there for one year, but <laughs> but hopefully yeah, okay, this is the start absolutely. of like Miller building something now with the it, be, being able to get these kind of guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, one <laughs> quick joke. I I could just imagine. I, I'm just thinking about the Cody Zeller recruitment. Uh, being like Ricky Rowe <laughs> and asking for like a tractor to go to Indiana or something. So he didn't need that tractor. His brother were in the NBA. I would hope that he asked for nothing. Like, well, yo, I'd be yeah. like, yo, Wario, go ask your brother that went to North Carolina. Yeah, look, man, I'm sure Tom Crean, very similar to Pete Bell, I'm sure he probably lost it. I'm sure he probably threw a tantrum. But, well, um, you're going to write the program. Yeah, you're going to write the program. Get out of my office, Cody. <laughs> um,. Yeah, we're running so much out of time. Uh, player to watch this year. Uh, I got my guy. I got Rui Hachimura. Rui Hachimura. Uh, he had 33 in his first game. I think he's going to be a player that I hope people stay up late to watch. Because oh, Rui's going to be a top 10 pick. Yeah, I mean, the kid is just a physical specimen. And his game is starting to catch up with his body, which is scary. Everyone at Gonzaga who was following him since he came on campus knew if his game caught up with the physical tools, the guy could be all world. And he's, and he's getting closer and closer to that. That time, the timeline is matched. Everyone, the idea was always third year was when he was supposed to break out. First two years, people kind of panicked a little bit, you know. Is he is he ever gonna figure it out? Is he only? I thought last year, I thought last year he played well. He just played he was, well, but he was a backup, you know. Yeah. Well, it, he started for us. Was he? Was he? He wasn't like your sixth man. Nah, he was. He was starting. Yeah, I mean, he like only even that, he was lettuce and scoring. It felt. It felt like, like he, 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 he felt like points. you know he was like a role player when the the hope was that he could be an all American. 
And right. now you've got him in a position, no Tilly. Jonathan Williams is gone. It's either it was either gonna be him or Norvell as the the go to guy. And I mean Norvell will light it up plenty of times yeah. this season, but it's clear that Hachimura was taking that reign as the number one guy. Um for me, my guy is gonna be Kellen Grady at Davidson. Mm. I think Kellen Grady he's the guy that if I were Kid's if, good. if you're trying to find a, a random mid major game just find an A-10 game when Davidson's playing because, I mean, he's going to light it up this season. I think he'll end up being a lottery pick. He gave it to Kentucky last year. Gave it to Kentucky last year. A tough matchup with Shea He's Gildas. only a sophomore. Um, but, yeah, it, he's a, he's going to be a fun watch. Um, and also watch out for uh, John Elmore, at another random mid-major guy at Marshall, who... <laughs> I, Marshall, I almost picked Marshall as a team to watch this year as well. Yeah, you know, Dan D'Antoni had those guys balling last he did. year. John Elmore, you want to talk about rational confidence. That guy, <laughs> you know, looks like a rec league player. But that dude is a <laughs> complete baller. Uh, <laughs> guy looks like he's like 40 years old, ball, but he can he can light it up with anybody. Uh, he might lead the country scoring this season. Um, Final four, Kendall. Uh, do you want to go first? Final four, um, I'm going to go UVA, who I mentioned earlier. Yeah. I'm going to go Oregon, uh, who I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. also. Um, I'm going to go Kansas and Gonzaga. Okay, in no order, I'm going Gonzaga, Duke, UVA. In Syracuse, which means three ACC teams. That would that would stink. Yes, it would, but I think that's what's gonna happen. You did say the ACC was the best conference. I so did. At least you're consistent. Yeah. <laughs> I have no Big Ten teams, and I said they were the best conference. So yeah, so you're, you're, you're so you're a fraud. Inconsistency on my part. <laughs> so you're a fraud. I'm, 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 I stick to my guns. Uh, national championship team. Uh, I'm gonna go with Gonzaga. Gonzaga. I'm gonna say that. It all depends on pick. <laughs> it all depends on Tilly. But if Tilly if Tilly comes back healthy, I I don't think that I don't think it I don't think there's a team that has a better rotation of eight or nine guys than Gonzaga. Of a a full rotation. Look, you guys you got there are other teams I that guys I don't know if he's gonna hurt you guys, man. Huh? Like you guys lost Tilly and I mean Yeah, I mean I, I, I think that you. I think that Look, the conference, the non-conference play is going to be very tough, but I actually think it's going to help them. They're going to lose a couple of games in non-conference, but being able to play those tough games without arguably their best player, and they still got two or three other guys that are going to be all-conference, one guy that could be an All-American, Gonzaga is just, is just their stack. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that, that was my mindset in the Final Four. Who just win it all? Um, but winning it all... Uh, Memphis. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm also a homer. No. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say UVA gets it done. Okay. I think this Virginia team, for a lot of high... A lot, I've heard a lot of good things about Ty Jerome this offseason. I have too. How, you know, he's turned himself into a, 
an NBA player potentially. Um, I remember when Ty Jerome was, I mean, because he's my age. I remember when he, well, he's not my age, but it's in my graduating year. Uh, and I remember he was in high school in New York. He's from New York. And he was not, him going to Virginia was like, you know, the step up. You know, he, he was not like an ACC kind of prospect. He went to Iowa prep high school. So I remember like, so the, the fact that now he's considered an NBA prospect shows you the work he's put in. But yeah, I think this program has uh, really, I think they'll galvanize around that loss that they had uh, to UMBC. Um, I think Tony Bennett will reevaluate. He's a smart coach. I think he's, people talk about how Jay Wright is easily like the next, I mean, uh, Jay Billis said that Jay Wright is undoubtedly the next Coach K, or the Coach K of the next generation. Uh, yeah. I, I think Interesting we take. overlook uh, Tony Bennett in that conversation. It's, it's early. It's Tony, hard to overlook him though because he hasn't won anything. Yeah, Tony Bennett hasn't won an national championship. Has. So I understand that logic, but I think Tony Bennett is. I think he's an extremely bright coach. I, I, I do too. He will he'll find a way to reevaluate his system in a way that will he's got the players. He's gotta reevaluate his system in a way that gets them over that hump and I think that'll happen this season. And I think that extra motivation from what happened last year will be that push for this program. Uh we're running out of time, so I don't think we'll have time for uh a Kendall's uh our flames and trash segment. But we can end with Kendall's court. So Kendall, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, college basketball theme is uh, in session, and uh, we talked about you know opening week in college basketball. It's opening week in college basketball on all levels, Division One, Two, Three, um, and on the Division Three level. Whoa, 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 we talking about Division Three basketball on the show? Division Three basketball. Why are we talking about Division Three? Not Hunter College basketball, EJ. I know, oh man, I know you covered Hunter College basketball. Oh yeah, man, I was I was I'm Hunter College's greatest play by play guy. <laughs> But we uh covering St. Joseph's College. I don't know if St. Joseph's University. I don't know what it's called. But St. Joseph's in oh, Connecticut. The, oh, there's a St. Joseph's in Brooklyn. I was going to say shout out to Martin Torres. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Oh, the Throne Tales podcast. He went to St. Joseph's in Brooklyn. They had Division Three. Imagine. And uh, St. Joseph's in Connecticut. Uh, they got they got to win their program's inaugural basketball game. The, the relevance of this program's first college basketball game in Div- on the Division Three level is that their coach uh, is Jim Calhoun. <laughs> Jim Calhoun uh, coach is back, I guess, on the sidelines. Um, the pictures, I-, I, had to, <laughs> I had to Twitter search it because I had to see the pictures of, you know, because he, he was hired like two years ago. I didn't even know this. And he's been like trying to build this program up because, again, they had no basketball program. But so I was like, what does Jim Calhoun like, still look like? Yeah, you know, what does it look like with him on the sideline? And like they were they were, they were playing in some raggedy gym that looked like a YMCA uh looked like a YMCA court. Why that team still the old Dallas Maverick logo? Who's that? Oh, this was this is just a that was a concept art for a oh. uh, a new Mavericks uh new Mavericks logo which that's a whole another conversation, but I okay. think the Mavericks should also update their thing. But <laughs> regardless <laughs> This is this is where Jim Calhoun was coaching. Uh, yeah, that's like slightly better than my high school gym. But he they, got teed they, up. They, they got TV cameras there, so clearly there was interest. 
dude with a big TV camera there. The crowd size, people showed up to the game. I mean, Jim Cal. I mean, it's Jim Cal. Yeah, but but I mean, he's a coach. Like who, he's a whole. Who shows yeah, up to watch? Who favorite. shows up to watch a coach? Are you trying to tell me if Jim Calhoun became the coach at Hunter? You wouldn't <laughs> go to a Hunter College basketball the first game he coached. <laughs> nah, you wouldn't go. I, I, I would go. You're you right. would go. Nah, you're right. As a you're basketball right. fan, you have to go. If he's going to your school, I, but okay, but I think you're, ta- you're, you're talking about me though. Like yes, I would go. I'm a basketball I, but I think, nut. I think like, but I think these people, random people, they got they got enough of me's in there. That's a full. I'm looking at this crowd. I mean, it's sports. It's fan. only about like three, two thousand people, maybe, maybe not even that. Maybe like a hundred, yeah, maybe a thousand, there, in the hundreds. maybe a thousand, maybe seven hundred. But like the crowd, the stands are packed. And that's only one side. The other, the other side of the bleachers, remember, isn't even used. But yeah, that's not good because I, I played at a, at a high school where. Both we had sides. both sides, and we only brought both sides for like the rivalry games. <laughs> most ninety percent of the time, there was only one side. There was the one side bleacher. The, the stuff behind us was just mad space. <laughs> oh, was you know? I'm no, I'm lying. The stuff behind us was the gym, was the bleachers, and the stuff in the back was just like all space. Right, so right, you right. hate throwing the ball out of bounds because then you had to run. <laughs> you had to run. And get it. The referee wouldn't run it over there. You had to go get it yourself. <laughs> or in practice, you threw it all out of bounds on the wrong side, and you're like, damn it, now I gotta run. They won. Want to get the ball back? Jim Calhoun's team won, and it, it begs the question, DJ. I mean, should they lose a game? One, like, yeah, of course they could lose a game. But Jim Calhoun should outcoach but anybody. He's coaching Division Three guys. Like his guys just aren't good enough. Yeah, they might not be that good one night. Like they're they're but definitely gonna be. If Zion Williamson and we think Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett are gonna be in tune to have. A rough night. One night, I'm pretty sure some div- some division. It don't matter who's coaching them. Some yeah. division three. Some division three guys. They're not gonna have that shot one night. He's, he's, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure the, the shot's gonna be a little off. He's gonna have a paper to write, and it will be like, "Yo, I gotta get this paper. Dude. I can't practice." Yeah, there's gonna be a couple of things that may may get in the way of these guys performing on a night to night basis, regardless of who's coaching them. Yeah, and it was crazy in the pictures that I saw. Like, you, I see the players in the background. I'm like, these guys are probably what the. <laughs> Jim Calhoun is coaching me. <laughs> I'm the Division Three basketball player. I'm, I, honestly, I feel like that team is probably mad nice. Like, I feel like they probably have like some Division Two, you know, JUCO level guys. I don't know that I, are just going there because there's no way they just have some generic dudes that go to the school. Here's what I'll say about this, Kendall. And I don't want, I, you know, it, I'll tell. I'm gonna tell a quick story. It's gonna be off. I'm not gonna name the coach on air, and but but. My friend Maddie, who you know, Maddie. Yeah. She at some point was covering a team, and the team was being coached by a Hall of Fame coach who had long been past his prime. That's all I'm gonna say about him. If you want to try to guess that guy in your head, that's fine. But I asked her because I'm like, wow, you covered a Hall of Fame coach who was coaching way past his prime. Like, what was he like? What did he do, <laughs> Maddie? Shout out to Maddie Madison Hartman. She's been on this show. She said he did nothing. <laughs> it was just him, just kind of just letting his assistant coach do any, do most of the work. He didn't really do anything in practice. He liked just being there for the games and calling shots during the game. He didn't really do anything in that regard. I kind of feel like I would be surprised if, Cal, if Calhoun's at like eighty percent of this team's practices. And would not surprise me if he just shows up to a game day for the photo op. And for, like, the thrill of the competition of, like, competing against some other team. But it's kind of be like Brett Favre, you know, playing for the Packers. I mean, playing for the Jets and the Vikings. He ain't showing the training camp. Yeah. He ain't showing up to practice. He's showing up to just play on Sunday. And Calhoun's only showing up to coach. And he's games in front of 500 people. And then that's it. 
Yeah. He's on. He's he, he. And look, if UConn's playing, he's leaving the game at halftime to go see what UConn's doing. <laughs> he go help out his boy Hurley. Yeah, they go help out Hurley. That's it. So no, I don't think that he has elite talent. I'm not even sure if he how has invested advantage in it. If he's mad invested in it, though, I will say that that would be really cool. Like, I mean, if I was a player, I'd be like, this is kind of crazy. But Tell like, you, that's a recruiting tool. I don't know what kind but like, of recruiting. I mean, <laughs> who you're getting, who you're trying to like get. If I'm a basketball player and like I'm in the region, I'm thinking about playing. Would you would you rather go D two? And then play no for Jim scholarship Calhoun? or go D three, and play for Jim Calhoun. Yeah, but what school? Like, is that even a good school? Like, like my <laughs> thing is like, what if like what if I was really recruited like a school that could actually help me after basketball? Cause I I don't know if any D three guys thinking I'm playing the NBA like Calhoun's my Calhoun's my shot <laughs> Calhoun. Calhoun's my shot he you got Ray Allen Ray Allen Rip Hamilton the NBA I could be the next great Calhoun guard <laughs> I could be the next Ben Gordon and Kemba Walker I don't think that guy's thinking that so I don't know I think that be might be foolish if you know if I'm if I'm trying to be an architect and I'm I'm passing on a great architect program play D three basketball for Jim Calhoun. I'm a parent. I'm thinking, uh, nah, we ain't doing that, fam. Go to that D2 school that's going to get you a good job. Let Jim Calhoun coach his 6'3 centers in Division Three. Let's move on. Um, that is a wild story. Shout out to Jim Calhoun. I hope he does well. Because um, he kind of, he, wasn't he sick when he left? Was the, didn't he have cancer? That was kind of, I know that's a very was he, dark turn was he? I just went. But I remember he, remember the program, that was a good There article. was like, there were some, I know he had some, Big issues. I think he did have health concerns, but then he also had health concerns too. So, uh, in all seriousness, I I am happy that he seems to be doing well. Danny Hurley, we talked to him. He said that Calhoun's been a huge help to him, which is great. So we're joking with Jim a lot with this. Uh, It's great that he's doing this for these kids. I don't know why really. (laughs) I honestly I do know why. I do think he misses the thrill of actually coaching because he was pushed out. He was not. He didn't leave when he wanted to. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that he's not a guy who I think in this in this time with his health and his age, like he he knows he can't. He could he get another D one job, one thousand percent, but is, he can't he can't physically do that. So I think this is why he's doing now, this. Quick question: Is this good? Is this the future for Rick Pitino? Uh, or is his ego too high? One, it could be. And two, I think Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino is is just like this. Where he would do something like this. Where he would just coach like anywhere. And make it a He's story. done that before. Like when he when coaching at, at like Louisville, he tells stories all the time Larry about Brown. coaching in high school at Amityville High School. Yeah, like well, he's, didn't Larry Brown just, coach a uh, yes. high school team in Long Island? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like uh, I think Rick Pitino. I think he'll be back coaching in college basketball. Nah, it's never gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, we say that now, but I mean, Bill Self. Is also still coaching. I mean, there's a lot of D1 schools, even and cares. it only takes one school. But this FBI joint, is but uh, but but, but Patino with him making that ridiculous NBA ploy he made a couple weeks ago, it tells me that I think he's a little delusional. Well, I didn't need that to tell me he's delusional. But, I, I, but I'm I, saying, I, but see, that, I knew he was delusional when he said for the fifth time on a fifth different scandal. I'm shocked to find out. That <laughs> I, I'm shocked. I'm flabbergasted that this came out. That no clue was happening in my program. I, I agree. I'm just saying that I think that that told me that, oh, you don't get this. Like, you don't understand how much your reputation has been ruined. That 
and even though like there's no wrong nothing wrong with like in terms of like you know legal issues and like infractions in terms of you coaching the NBA but nobody's just taking that circus with with you right now not in the NBA you know like the fact that that was your first step to try to get back into coaching tells yeah, me no, that he's never going to coach in the NBA tells me that you don't get it so that's why I can't say for sure there's, that's why I say I can't I'm sure he's gonna, that's why I don't think he's going to coach in college because I think that it only takes one crazy school and that, next all season, and like a, a Presbyterian or someone could say yo we'll give you like eight, to get we'll give you like ninety thousand like, we'll give you like ninety thousand dollars to like coach and like he, he might say no because he might be like I can do something better he thought he can coach in the NBA I don't know maybe like it'll take time for him to realize where he's at but like he we know look and I'm a Rick Pitino in terms of in game coach I think he's a Flat out Hall of Fame, top notch dude. But so, any school that would want him from that standpoint, yes. But the issue with him off the court and the the the, the scandal he brings, he's gonna take a low low level job. And you said Trust Sienna me, Sienna didn't even want him. There's once only this, a lot of places that won't want him. Once wipes off, give it two years. I mean, look, Memphis wanted to hire. We wanted to hire Larry Brown on Penny Hardaway staff. I mean, at least Penny wants to hire him. I'm glad the AD they, didn't somebody, let him. Yeah, someone had to step in and say, but, nah, fam. I mean, that was like after this guy just left SMU under mass sanctions. We were like, to a couple years, we were like, well, it's Larry Brown. We got to do it. Someone's going to be like, yo, it's Rick Pitino. Like, nah, they can't, we're, we're they like, can't do that. <laughs> we're Fordham, man. We, we can get Rick Pitino at the coach. <laughs> That'd be a game changer, man. Yo, Ford, Rick Pitino might be the only chance Fordham has of Oh, Rick Pitino with their coach Fordham would be elite in like a year. <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap the show, Kendall. So thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Uh, it's an extra long extended version of the show, but with Todd Baffle preview and the Jimmy Butler podcast, Jimmy Butler edition of the podcast that made this show very long. Hope you guys enjoyed and sticked it out. Be sure to check out all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow us on YouTube and subscribe to New Generation Media. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart and on Instagram at EJ. Follow us on Twitter at New Generation Pod. That does it for now. We'll be back next week with more sports talk for Kendall. I'm EJ. Peace.